0: My name is Lindsay, and I'm a member here at Restored Church. If you're new here, welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in. We believe that church is not an event, but a family you belong to, so we would love to op- the opportunity to connect with you. I'd love to be saying this in person, but circumstances have us doing otherwise. So if you'd like to learn more about our church, or we can help you in any way, please visit our website, www.RestoredTemecula.Church, and then you can just click on Contact there. We also have a mobile app with resources, including the Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app at Apple and Android app stores. With that said, thanks so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the message.
1: If we haven't met yet, my name's Tom. I have the privilege of providing leadership to the church as the lead pastor, on eldership with my wife, Ebony, and the incredible Herrick and Heather Berga. Uh, man, if we haven't met, I really would just love to introduce myself and say hi before we jump in this morning. So, uh, really looking forward to today's message. We are in the middle of a series called "The King and His Kingdom," and we've been going through the Gospel of Matthew. It's Matthew's; uh, it's it's his kind of eyewitness account of the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Christ the most important person who's ever lived, uh, the point of life, Jesus. And one of the things that we're kind of exploring in this series, the reason we're calling it The King and His Kingdom, is we're really kind of honing in on the kingdom of God, otherwise known as the kingdom of heaven. And the the kind of premise behind this is, uh, for whatever reason, kind of modern Western people tend to view the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God as something out there. Something that you, you go to after you die, and there's there's validity to that for sure, but but the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it's so much more than that a, uh, a theologian that I respect a ton, he describes the kingdom of God as he describes it this way he says, the kingdom of God is more a reign than a realm, more a power than a place. Those of you guys that have been journeying with us you've heard me say that quote what a dozen times at this point setting up this series but the reason i keep doing this is because vision leaks it's like a bucket you can you can pour vision into a bucket but it continually pours out our culture forms us it forms what we think it forms how we live all these things what you what you believe it literally is like the software for your life it it determines your behavior And I want us to be people that are rooted in the Bible, rooted in the scripture, rooted in the word of God instead of the word of blank, word of culture, word of influencer, word of whoever, right? And the reason I share that is because we, as the people of God, we have to have a, uh, I don't know, a a greater understanding, a deeper understanding of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, because we were created for it. It's not just something you go to after you die, The Bible teaches that the kingdom of God is a reality that we can experience right now, partly in the present and fully in the future. The reason I say partly in the present is because, look around, things are not the way they're supposed to be. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about God's rule, God's reign, God's ways. And there are some things that are God's way, and you look around and there are some things that are just clearly not God's way. So when I say partly in the present, that's what I'm talking about. But the day is coming when the kingdom of God is ushered in fully. The second coming of Jesus, when all things are made new, when things are made the way they're supposed to be. That's the fullness of the kingdom of God. That's what we're looking forward to. Let me start my timer here. Um, so to kind of pick you up to speed with where we are in gospel or in, in Matthew's gospel, we are, man, we started the Sermon on the Mount maybe eight to ten weeks ago. This is the most famous sermon of all time, Jesus Christ, like the greatest teacher of all time, preaching the greatest sermon of all time, and it's all about the kingdom of God, right? And if you don't know this, Jesus starts his sermon on the mount, he comes out swinging, like instantly just boom right into it. He begins his sermon with what are known as the Beatitudes. That's what we've been going through these last several weeks. And what the Beatitudes are is it's a list of eight kingdom blessings And these eight kingdom blessings, they, man, they flip the traditional way that we approach life. They flip it on its head. The original hearers of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, specifically these Beatitudes, would have been like, wait, what? And so oftentimes when we go through these Beatitudes, the way that our culture forms us and fashions us, we go, wait, what? It can be kind of disorienting. So to kick things off this morning... Uh, I want to just take a moment and I want you to consider your life for just a second, all right? Maybe take your focus off of me and what I'm saying and I want you to consider you for a moment. Consider your unique life, okay? And then kind of like broaden your focus onto the people around you, their life, and the things that they're going through. And then I want you to consider the state, kind of broaden even further, consider the state of our country, of America and then all the way out to the world consider now if you could use one word to describe the current state of things what would it be talk to me broken that's a really really good one uncertain turmoil what else chaos division sin Sin. yeah how come no one mentioned peace No one mentioned peace because the planet lacks peace. Am I right? In a massive way. Listen, preachers try to get clever about how to introduce the topic in a really like you know, engaging way that grabs a hold of your mind and your heart. and all that. I'm just going to jump straight to the punchline this morning. Straight to kind of the main point, okay? In a world that so obviously lacks peace, The people of God are called to be peacemakers. That's what we're going to talk about today. That's what today's Beatitude is all about. So, if you have your Bibles, you can grab them. We're going to be, again, in Matthew chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. The guys will throw the words on the screen. Thanks, Everett, for serving us, bro. You hear that, man? Uh Before we jump into today's passage, I want to pray before we open God's word together. So will you just join me quick? Father, thank you for the moments that we have in life to pause and to not just plow through life, but to actually be present, in the moment and the gift that it is. And I pray that this morning would be just that. Spirit, would you open our hearts and minds to not just hear from you, but to experience you through your word? What a gift that you speak to us. Lord, I pray that you'd use me to serve and to bless. These precious people, I don't want to do anything that messes up or gets in the way of what you are up to. So teach us, Holy Spirit, point us to Jesus, to his goodness, to his grace, and to what his kingdom is like. We love you. We look to you. Show us the way. Amen. Okay, so Matthew chapter five, we're going to start in verse one. Here we go. When he, the he there is Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, here comes the Sermon on the Mount, here comes the Beatitudes. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Really quickly, if you missed Herrick's message on this beatitude last week, holy smokes, go back and listen to it. It's fantastic. And then today's beatitude, here we go, verse 9. This is the one we're going to cover today. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. All right, here's what I want to do. Uh, I want to kind of break down this beatitude, but I, I want to do it something a little different. I want to do it backwards. All right? So I want to start at the end here. So that, that, word there, or that phrase there, sons of God. What does that mean? You might be like, wait a second. Like, I thought Jesus was the son of God. What's, what's going on here? You need to be aware of something. Whenever you see kind of son of in the scriptures, uh, it can have a couple different meanings, all right, and they're, those meanings, they're, they're related, pardon the pun, but they're related. Now, the first meaning that you could find when you see here, in son, when it says son of God in the scriptures, the first meaning could be that it literally is like a descendant of, right? So, Isaac, son of Abraham, it's his biological son, right? And then Jacob, Isaac's son, Jacob's son of Abraham, it, it, it shows this like genealogy, it's the biological descendant, right? This is dealing with biology. This is dealing with family lineage. Now, the other way that son of is used in the scriptures is it's used as an adjective. You remember what an adjective is in school? It's like a descriptive word, right? If the sky is blue, the blue sky, blue is the adjective, right? Now, again, consider yourself for a moment. Consider yourself for a moment and consider the ways that your, let's just say your dad, your father, some of the things that you inherited from him, the attributes that you maybe inherited from your dad. Maybe they're physical attributes, maybe they're personality-related, maybe they're skill-related, maybe you have your dad's smile or his eyes or whatever, right? The idea here is that every single child resembles their father in some way. There's an, there's an inherited attribute that comes from the father because a child is like their father. Are you with me? Okay. Now, when I say son of, I I don't want you to get caught up in gender here. That's not really what's happening, okay? In ancient times, the son was the heir. When I say heir, I'm not talking like Air Jordan, like A-I-R. I'm talking H-E-I-R, the heir. It means they inherited all that their father possessed. Again, we're not talking son slash daughter here. We're talking more heir, right? The point here is the idea of inheriting from dad, now, one of the things that you need to know, this is like Hebrew culture, right? We're talking about Hebrew culture here, the, Jesus is in his teachings. In Hebrew culture, son of fill in the blank, it was a typical way of describing a person's attributes because a child is like their father, right? So let me give you a quote here quick. One theologian says this regarding this idea. He says, quote, the Hebrew language is not rich in adjectives. And often when Hebrew wishes... To describe something, it uses not an adjective, but the phrase son of, plus an abstract noun. Person, place, or thing. Son of, person, place, or thing. Hence, listen to this, a man may be called a son of peace instead of a peaceful man. You getting this? Okay. Son of is used like an adjective. It's used to describe an attribute. Right? And guys, we see this all throughout the scriptures. Let me give you a couple examples. Um, Guys, throw up Acts chapter 4, verse 36 for me. In Acts chapter 4, verse 36, it says this, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas. So I don't know if you know this, but Barnabas' original name was Joseph. He's called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement. Okay, so instead of Barnabas being described as a really encouraging guy, he's called the son of encouragement. You get in the picture? Okay, son of is used like an adjective because a child is like their father. All right, let's do another example here. Jesus, he does this same thing in John chapter 17. John chapter 17, verse 12, Jesus is praying to God the Father, and check out what he says. Praying to God the Father, while I was with them, the them there is the 12 disciples, okay? While I was with them, the 12 disciples, I was protecting them by your name that you have given me. I guarded them and not one of them is lost except, listen to this, the son of destruction so that the scripture may be fulfilled. Which of the 12 disciples is Jesus referring to here as the son of destruction? Judas. Judas. Right, if you're not familiar with the story, Judas betrays Jesus, right? Kicks off, <laughs> kicks off Jesus going to the cross, the whole thing. So instead of Judas being described as a destructive person, Jesus refers to him as the son of destruction. You get in the picture, All right? Son of is used like an adjective because a child is like their father. One more example from scripture for you quickly. If you remember the story, uh, Mark chapter three, Jesus calls James and John two of his disciples sons of thunder. He is not saying that they are biologically related to thunder, right? He's saying something different. He's using it as an adjective to describe them. These are thunderous dudes, like their temperament, right? They're strong-willed sons of thunder. Son of is used. As an adjective, because a child is like their father. All right. So don't think gender, ladies. You're not being held out on here. I promise. It's not what's happening. It's about it's about inherited attributes. All right. So, do you see what this beatitude is saying? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. So, in other words, peacemaking is godlike behavior. Peacemaking is godly behavior. You with me? Because a child is like their father. Peacemakers will be called sons of God. Um, in the house that I grew up in, there was this rather large three-ring binder. And the three-ring binder had this kind of really nice cover, it was like a cloth cover with some lace, and it was embroidered on the front, and it was embroidered July 28th, 1984. That was a Saturday, Uh, that was the Saturday that Mark Logue and Cynthia Geiger got married. Oh yeah, those are my folks, by the way, they're sitting right over here, I love them. Now, the the binder, it was the the photo album of my parents' wedding, right? And I remember as a kid looking through, flipping through this album and checking out all these photos, and maybe you did something similar to this when you were a kid, but as a child, there's something really special about seeing your parents like before you came into the picture, (laughs) pardon the pun. There's something about that where you just, you see them like younger than you, like it's just a cool, weird, interesting, special thing. Now, a little over a year after their wedding, a son was born. That's yours truly, that's me. And I have my dad's eyes, we both have hazel eyes. I probably have a bit of his stubbornness. I inherited my mom's like fierce loyalty as their son, right? But here's the thing. Yes, I inherited things from my parents. Attributes, those kinds of things. Here's the thing. I contributed nothing to the process of becoming their son. I did, I did nothing. Like zero. Okay? That's because a child cannot earn sonship. Take gender out of it. A child cannot earn sonship. So how do I know, how do I know that I'm their son? Like... Is it because I eventually made my way into the photo albums to come? Is it because that's what I was told? If there's ever any uncertainty about a child's sonship, usually what happens is you can take what's known as a paternity test, right? You can literally take a paternity test. And what a paternity test does is it tests what's inside of you. It literally tests like your DNA, okay? Here's the thing, a paternity test doesn't earn you sonship, it exposes it. Hear me friends, your behavior, what you do, what you don't do, your thoughts, your actions, hear me, your life, it's like a paternity test. It doesn't earn you sonship from God, it exposes it. Check out what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 23, verse 15. We're going to fast forward uh, pretty heavily here in Matthew. This is what Jesus says Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to make one convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a, listen, Child of hell, as you are. Jesus doesn't pull punches. Hear me. How a person lives doesn't earn them sonship, it exposes it. And Jesus says in this beatitude, He says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. You know what Jesus doesn't say in this beatitude? He doesn't say they will become sons of God. He says they will be called sons of God because sonship isn't something that's earned. When he uses this language called, right? Called speaks of being identified. So in other words, peacemakers are identified as sons of God. And hypocrites, on the other hand, are identified as what? children, sons of hell, Ugh. you ever been hypocritical or is that just me that 's a tough one. How a person lives it doesn 't earn it doesn 't earn them sonship. it exposes it because a child is like their father, they inherit dad 's attributes. Are you getting this are you getting the picture? Check out Galatians chapter five verse twenty two very familiar passage, okay most of the kids probably know this one. But the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit of God, you could argue, I am the fruit of Mark and Cindy. The fruit of the Spirit of God is love, joy, and what? Peace. There's that word. Peace. Hear me. Being a peacemaker doesn't earn you sonship. It exposes sonship. So in other words, how do you know you're a child of God? How do you know you're a Christian? Like, how can you be sure of your sonship? What Jesus says here is that you live as a peacemaker. This beatitude, it teaches us peacemaking is evidence of sonship. Okay, it doesn't earn sonship, it exposes it. Are you with me? All right. Now, Reverse engineering, like breaking down this beatitude from the back to the front. It's probably important that we understand what peacemaking is. All right, let's talk about peacemaking. Now, again, this is Jewish culture. This is Hebrew culture, okay? The Jewish, the Hebrew word for peace, does anybody know what it is? Shalom, yeah. Shalom, fairly common, but very deep. Like gloriously deep wonderfully, beautifully deep. It has so much more depth to its meaning than our English word for peace. Okay? The word peace, it's like, peace is translated shalom in Hebrew. Now, our English understanding of peace is typically something like this. It's typically the absence of trouble or conflict. In times of peace, in times of the absence of trouble, in times of the absence of of conflict that 's the English understanding of peace, Shalom friends is way more it 's way deeper it 's way more beautiful. Um, will you guys show that slide of the of the uh, the diagram? Okay, believe it or not, I know some of you guys are just so excited to see another one of my diagrams so you 're welcome. Uh, believe it or not, I did not outsource this. I did this myself. I know you're like, goodness, this artwork is just world-class. Here's what this is. Uh, On the left here, that's a glass supposed to be like a glass of water, okay? So you can see the the water. Um, You can't quite see, but I tried to fill in. Whatever. It's a glass of water. You guys can see this? Okay, great. Now, look there in the middle, right? Here's the thing. Stuff happens in life. Right? Trouble arises, conflict arises, anxiety, fear. As a result of trouble and conflict in life, your glass starts to leak. And when your glass leaks, now you're lacking. You see in this? As your glass leaks, you start to lack peace. And here's the thing. What a lot of people do is they'll just put the Band-Aid down down there on the corner. That's a Band-Aid if you didn't know. (laughs) You're welcome. I am the worst drawer. Uh, So yeah, it's like you put the Band-Aid on where it's leaking, right? And the Band-Aid stops the leaking. But hear me. Peace is not just when trouble stops. It's not just when the leaking stops. We're talking about shalom. Shalom is not just the absence of trouble or conflict. It's the presence of something. It's the presence of wholeness. You with me? It's lacking nothing. It's, it's, it's restoring wholeness. That's what shalom is. It's true peace. When Jesus speaks of peace... This is what he's talking about. Wholeness. And he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the shalom makers, if you will. Now let's talk about the opposite of peacemaking for a second. Okay, The opposite of peacemaking is troublemaking. And you don't need me to you know, preach at you about troublemaking. You guys know what troublemaking is. If you examine your life for 10 seconds, you can look and go, oh man, I made trouble for myself. I made trouble for my others. I know what that's like. I know what troublemaking is. Those of you that have young kids, you know exactly what troublemaking is, okay? You don't need me to explain this to you. It's fairly obvious. Now, as obvious as it is, is that troublemaking isn't the same as peacemaking, but here's the thing. Peacekeeping isn't the same as peacemaking either. Hear me out. You've heard the phrase, just keep the peace, man. Let's just keep the peace. Let's just like make sure everything's cool, everything stays cool, everything stays smooth, keeping the peace. I think that's probably most people's default. Peacekeeping is not the same as peacemaking. And Jesus is talking about peacemaking. Let me give you, let me read you a quote from a theologian that I really enjoy. His name is William Barclay. He says this quote It must be carefully noted what this beatitude is saying. The blessing is on the peacemakers, not necessarily the peace lovers or peacekeepers. It very often happens that if people love peace in the wrong way, they succeed in making trouble and not peace. We may, for instance, allow a threatening and dangerous situation to develop, and our defense is that for peace's sake, we do not want to take any action. There are many people who think that they are loving peace when in fact they are piling up trouble for the future because they refuse to face the situation and to take the action which the situation demands. The peace which the Bible calls blessed does not come from the evasion of issues. It comes from facing them, dealing with them, and conquering them. What this beatitude demands is not the passive acceptance of things because we're afraid of the trouble of doing anything about them, but the active facing of things and the making of peace, even when the way to peace is through struggle. end quote "That is fire." I wish we could just, on a loudspeaker, like all throughout the country, just play that on like repeat, loop it. All these people avoiding things, thinking that they're keeping the peace when they're just piling up trouble for themselves. In other words, what this guy's saying is, peacekeeping creates trouble because it doesn't actually address the leaking or the lacking. And they, and you do it all in the name of peace, just trying to keep the peace, no conflict. Doesn't want to ruffle any feathers. It's uncomfortable. I'm not going to address the issue because I just want to keep the peace. Here's the thing. Peacekeeping, different than peacemaking. Peacekeeping is based on a false understanding of peace. Will you show that, that slide again for me, Everett? Peacekeeping is based on a false understanding of peace and guess what it leads to? Just put the Band-Aid on. Don't address the, the leaking or the lacking. So friends, hear me. Please. <laughs> Please. Don't allow yourself to be deceived. Like if there's if there's trouble or there's conflict, just kind of brushing things under the rug, it's not keeping the peace. You think it you think it is. It's not keeping the peace. It's actually making trouble. It's the cl- we talked about this a little bit last Sunday. It's the classic, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. No. That's not fine. It's not shalom. If you don't address the leak and you don't address the lack, you are making trouble, not peace. Not shalom. Shalom. I think of several examples. I could have have spent another 20 minutes just going through examples, but I want to put a couple in front of you quickly. Um, Examples of this in the real world. I think of Martin Luther King Jr. I think of how he approached the civil rights movement in America in the 60s, not by brushing things under the rug, but by in a beautiful, like, non-violently confronting the issues. Not keeping the peace, working to make peace, wholeness, Shalom. Uh, this recently played out in my own life, in my own, my own relationships. Um, I didn't ask if I was going to share this, but I'm going to share it. I guess I'll be. Cassie, in the most wonderful, beautiful way, did this with me. Uh, it was beautiful. I was fairly inconsiderate um, in a choice that I made and how that would affect Shepard, my nephew, their son. And for the sake of unity for the sake of like actual peace, for shalom in our relationship, Cassie, in the most beautiful, like humble and loving way, she addressed the issue with us directly. And it it provided an incredible opportunity for understanding, for an apology on on our behalf, for forgiveness, for, for restored wholeness in the relationship, Right? I caused a leak, and instead of choosing, let's just keep the peace, brush it under the rug, she chose to be a peacemaker. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. I felt so loved. I was like, dude, Cassie Loke." <laughs> <laughs> Peacemaking. It's different than peacekeeping. Peacemaking is working at Shalom. It's not just the absence of trouble or conflict. It's not just a band aid to stop the leak. It's the presence of wholeness. Will you show the slide one more time, Everett? Friends, can I ask you a question quickly? Which glass best represents you today? Which glass best represents you today? Do you have peace? Do do you have peace with others? Do, Do you have peace with God? Do you have peace with yourself? What about the people closest to you? The people in your life? Which glass best represents them? All right, I'll call the band up. I'll close with this. Peacemaking versus peacekeeping. I think it's really appropriate that this beatitude happened to fall on the preaching calendar for this specific Sunday. I think it's super appropriate that we're talking about this beatitude today because, as Herrick referenced earlier, today is what? Today is Palm Sunday. For those of you guys that don't know what Palm Sunday is, Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter. Okay, it is, the, it is the, the Sunday that we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem as the Savior King, as the Messiah, as the Christ, okay? Now, if you remember the story, what does Jesus come riding on in Palm Sunday? What does he come riding into Jerusalem on? Donkey. A donkey, <laughs> okay? In our culture, a donkey is kind of like a silly animal. I feel like there's like an, almost like a, Maybe negative is too strong of an adjective, but it's like almost like a negative connotation when we talk about donkeys, you know? Uh, I have some suspicion and some uh, theories behind that, but either way, uh, donkeys, <laughs> sorry. Uh, just, a, it, just a different thing. Now, here's the thing. Jesus, the promised king, the promised savior king, coming to restore the people of God who are who being oppressed by the Romans, Right? Here's the thing about kings. When they would enter into a city, they would typically, they typically rode in on a war horse. They're conquering kings, right? Typically kings would ride in on a war horse. But Jesus is a different kind of king. Now, donkeys, in their culture, very noble animals, okay? Not the negative connotations that we have. Very noble animals in their culture. So here's why I bring this up. Today being Palm Sunday, Jesus riding into Jerusalem as the promised Savior King, riding in on a donkey, was powerfully symbolic. We read it and we go, whatever. The people who saw it would have been like, <gasps> a king riding in on a war horse was used in times of trouble and conflict, right? War donkeys. They were used in times of peace. So Jesus, he came not as a king riding on a war horse, seeking to make war with his enemies. He came as a king riding on a donkey, seeking to make peace. You see it? Friends, peacemaking is godly. It's godly work, because God in Christ is the ultimate peacemaker. But hear me, what's absolutely breathtaking is how he does it. Let me read Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 20 to you. Open your ears for a minute. Listen to this. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, The firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him, in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, we'll talk more about that next Sunday, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, here it is, by making peace. How? Through his blood shed You wanna know how Jesus makes peace with sinners? You wanna know how Jesus made peace with me? Through his blood, through his blood. God is a God who makes peace at great cost to himself. Sonship isn't earned. Jesus punished for all the times I've caused leaking and lacking in the people's lives around me. At the cross, what Jesus does is he restores shalom. He restores shalom to my relationship to God that I've severed. Friends, hear me, please. Peacemaking is not brushing things under the rug, peacemaking addresses all the leaks all the brokenness, all the sin and it restores what's lacking back to wholeness. Shalom. Please understand, peacemaking is not peacekeeping. That's not what the people of God do. That's not what the child of God does. That's not what he inherited from his father. Peacemaking is working towards shalom. What about you? What about you in your life today? Not your life, you know, a few weeks ago or a few years ago. Not your life a week from now or a month from now. You today. For some of you, I'm convinced God's inviting you to live out your sonship by joining him in the work of peacemaking, not peacekeeping. Not brushing things under the rug, but working towards shalom. Uh, Romans 12 verse 18 says, if possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Let's just be honest. This can be really hard. Living at peace with everyone can be really hard. Because here's the thing this verse, it implies that sometimes your peace offerings are rejected. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That literally insinuates that there are times when you can't and not because you don't want to, not because you're not working at making peace, not because you're not working towards making shalom, but because the peace offering is rejected. This is something that's happened fairly often to many of, not many, a handful of you in our community this last year. I think about Mike and Marla. Marla. Working to make peace. That can be really painful. It can be really hard. You know, one of the things I love about Jesus is he identifies with us in that. He knows exactly what that's like. He knows exactly what it's like to work for peace, to, to, to work at making shalom and having that peace offering be totally rejected. He identifies with our pain in that. But hear me, hear me. The children of God, they work to make peace as much as it depends on them. Why? Because a child is like their father. For some of you, it's, dude, it's time to put certain areas of troublemaking to death. Like just get rid of it gossip, slander, things that would divide, things that would that would distort, things that would like begin to just deteriorate relationship. Deception, lies, white lies, fibs, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. Areas in life that are causing leaks in the lives of ourselves and others. For some of you for some of you you, you don't have peace with God this morning for a plethora of issues, for a plethora of reasons. You don't have peace with God this morning. Hear me. God's inviting you. Like he's literally inviting you to receive his peace offering. It doesn't come through cleaning yourself up. The peace offering is be my child. The peace offering is I want to adopt you into my family forever. And sonship is not earned. It's received freely as a gift the cleansing, forgiving grace of God. How? How did God make peace with the sinner? Through his blood, we just read it. For some of you, hear me, you need to hear this this morning that the blood of Jesus is for you. It's time to receive forgiveness and be at peace with God. For others, there's people in your life that you know they're not at peace with God. You know they're not at peace with God. And yet, praise the Lord he's placed you in their life. Praise the Lord that he's brought a peacemaker from the kingdom of God, literally sent on behalf of the king. Maybe, just maybe, it's time to share a little bit about the gospel of Jesus. And you don't need a sermon. You don't need to be an expert on the Bible. You are the world's leading expert on how God is intervening in your life. You are the world's leading expert on how Jesus Christ has made peace with you through his blood. You're the world's leading expert on how that's changing you and how God's developing you and the things that he's doing in your heart. Maybe it's time to share just a little bit more of yourself, who you really are, with people who you know they don't have peace with God. Or at least pray for them. At least maybe invite them to a social or Easter. Easter. We live in Temecula. People will go to Easter. Friends, hear me. The beautiful truth of the gospel, the beautiful truth of the gospel is that God made a way for us to have eternal peace, shalom, actual wholeness. No more leaking, no more lacking. He made a way for us to have eternal shalom with him and with others. And it cost him everything so that we could inherit everything. Everything. And he did it through his very own blood. Listen to me. This beatitude, I could do two more sermons on this. This beatitude, it teaches us so much. God's children, they're just like their dad. They're peacemakers. And therefore, they're blessed. Let's pray. Spirit of God, I invite you to speak to us individually now in this moment. Oh, you desire peace and I love you for it, Jesus. (laughs) You desire peace with those of us who violate peace and I love you for it. pray that you'd give uh, every single one of us in the room, give us an awareness of the reality of our cup. And I echo the prayer of David in Psalm 23 when he says, my cup overflows. Let us be men and women whose lives are marked with it by a cup that overflows. Wholeness, wellness, shalom. Life the way that you created it to be that can only happen when you're king. That can only happen in your kingdom. So would you teach us more about your kingdom? We love you, Jesus. You're so good. You're so wonderful. You're so kind. Thank you for making peace through your blood and offering it to us. Help us to be children of God who who live like dad. We love you. And All God's people said, amen. All right, friends. Um, for the next, I have plenty of time. This is great. For the next, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, we're going to spend time responding to God. This is the climax of the gathering. This is the main point of the gathering. The main point of the gathering was not my sermon, and now my sermon's over, so the main point's over. No, no. My, my sermon was the preview to the movie, okay? This is the main point of the gathering. This is the point when we, as God's children, we as people, respond to His love and grace. Prayer, praise, um, ministry team, would you guys, prayer team, would you guys maybe make your way to the back? There's gonna be trusted men and women in the back of the room They have lanyards. They would love to pray for you for any reason. If you lack peace, if, you, if, you're, not, if, you're, if you're not experiencing shalom, let God meet with you through a trusted man or woman in the back to pray over you. If you're, if you're feeling anxious about something in your life, um, I, feel like, I feel like right now, even the spirit of God's highlighting this idea of defensiveness. And I feel like he's highlighting defensiveness specifically, not exclusively, but specifically in marriage. Like you're getting really defensive and your spouse is trying to like, trying to make peace by like addressing something and you're like, you're shutting it down. I feel like God really wants to bring freedom to you specifically. It's not just a marriage thing, but I feel like he wants to address that with somebody specifically this morning. If That's you. Go receive prayer if you're uneasy about something, if you're lacking, if you're leaking, let God minister to you. You know how he's going to do it? He's going to do it through his hands and his feet. That's his people. It's his children. So you have, f- not free reign, that's the lot. There's You have um, freedom to go receive prayer. You have freedom to pray and engage with God. You have freedom to praise him because he's so worthy. This is for him. And he meets us in these spaces and does things in only he can do. This is the main event. Okay? So 20 minutes or so, and then Herrick will come up and close us in pastors. Okay? Love you guys so much. Enjoy him.
0: Father, thank you for sending your son our living hope. Thank you that because of him, we have not only peace with you, but we can have peace with each other. Your family. Your sons and daughters, your kids are called to peace. And I thank you that you went before us. Jesus, you went before us on the cross to make peace. To make peace with God and to make it so that we can have peace with each other. No matter how different we are, we can have peace. Right relationships. We love you and we're grateful to you. And we just simply pray for more. I thank you for all the work that you've done in this community to establish a culture of peace and I want more. And I think we want more. God, we love you. We're grateful to you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Every child is like their father. Every child is like their father. So I ask you, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Every child is like their father. I think it's important to recognize something about the Beatitudes that's critical. The Beatitudes are a blessing. So I need some some of you to know. If you're the kind of person who has embraced a lifestyle of peace, not faking, not peace breaking, not sweeping things under the rug, but you at a great cost to yourself have embraced a lifestyle of peace making, this blessing is for you. If you have humbled yourself, if you have confessed, Sin, if you have taken steps to make wrong things right in your life, you are blessed. Transcendently happy are you. On the flip side, if you are someone who has experienced the rejection, somebody has said no to your olive branch of peace, you are blessed. That is a promise. Transcendently happy are you. You can be happy about it. You can rejoice even in the midst of painful circumstances. So I need to start with that, transcendently. So many of you, you just need to know you're blessed, hashtag blessed, but with depth, an eternal blessing on you. For some of us, that peace is ahead of us. We can't quite say that it's really present or active in our lives, it's ahead. So for you, I want to share a couple of things especially for those of you who have been maybe part of the church you've been kind of like in the church for a while you you know you're here uh, this is thank you Lisa I don't know where Lisa went Lisa she's always praying I don't know if you know this but there's people praying before the gathering even during the gathering for this time and Lisa's one of the people who helps us with that who leads it along with Heidi and one of the things that she mentioned was this idea of an infection think of a of a bandage which I think Tom had a little bandaid on his uh, over there on the... I couldn't hardly see it because of Kyla's drums, but whatever. It was over there. You guys know what I'm talking about. There was a bandage. And the reality is an infection... I googled it to make sure that I was not speaking out of turn. An infection, what it does is it, it invades and it attacks the body. The human body. And I just need you guys to know and understand something. We are a body. The church is the body of Christ. When peace faking and peace breaking and peace keeping are present, it's an infection to the health of the body. That's for all of us. And for some of you, like I said, peacemaking is ahead of you. It's not something you currently possess, and that's okay. It is ahead. So I want to encourage you. I think there's an invitation extended to you today to take that step to take that step of humility. Maybe it's confessing bitterness. Maybe it's confessing, bitterness is a a surefire sign, but maybe it's slander, maybe it's gossip of other people. It, it, It almost doesn't matter what it is. You know what that is, and it's time to confess it so that that infection can be killed off before it affects the whole body. Nothing stays in isolation, friends. We are a body. Hands and feet together, and eyes and ears, all of us, are with the body of Christ, and we affect each other. Nothing, sin never stays in a vacuum. It's never isolated. So, I want to put that before you. Invitation to take the step of humility, of repentance, of confession, to make wrong things right in this body. It's for you today. Nobody is worse if they do that. It's actually, it's a sign that you're stepping into the kingdom and experiencing life in the kingdom. Humility is the way. For uh, some of us, we have developed strategies because we have been in a space of lacking peace in our relationships for so long, maybe even our entire lives, that we have developed strategies to cope. And I want you to know, this is part of what Lisa was praying, if that's you today, if you have developed strategies for, de- for coping with, with the lack of peace in your relationships, whether that's with your potentially with your parents, biological parents, or your people in your life right now, people in the past, people right now, if you have developed strategies, especially if there's substances involved, today is your day to experience freedom. You can begin to take that step today. Go get prayer. It doesn't have to be substances, though. There might be other ways and other strategies that you might use. Part of it could just be pretending, I'm okay, everything's fine. I'm not fine, I'm not fine, I'm not fine. That is a cry of the kingdom, of someone who's longing to step into the rule and reign of Jesus, who turns to people who say, I'm not fine, with I know, I've got you. That's for you today. If you're not fine, go get prayer, especially on account of a lack of peace in your relationships. Last but not least, uh, Lisa had a sense that there might be somebody who's here who has kidney pain. The kingdom is a matter of righteousness and peace and also right relationships and peace also sometimes people just need to get healed so if that's you if you have if you're experiencing physical brokenness in your body potentially a kidney issue or somewhere in that area or anything else I want to encourage you go get prayer there's people in the back who would love to pray for you they're safe they have the Holy Spirit within them and they would love to pray With that said, every child is like their father. If God is your father, you are blessed. Transcendently happy are you. The paternity test is a match. It's a boy or a girl. It's a match. You can be happy about that. You can enjoy your week. Now, we've got lots of time. We've got five minutes. How long have I been talking? Oh my word. Okay, we've got five minutes. I'm going to do a soft close. If you're new, a soft close just means that if you got to go, you can go. If you want to go get prayer, you got time. You got five minutes to go get prayer. And really the five minutes is just if you have kids that you need to pick up. 12 o'clock is the pickup time over in kids ministry. So soft close. Enjoy your Sunday.